Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm going to jump into a message here, and I don't really have a title for it. I'm calling these, this. so I preached on Thursday, and that message is actually up on our Forward Church podcast, and I called that Viral Love, and it focused on how the church, out of our peace with God and our unity with one another, we can spread love around the planet. Now, we're unfortunately only getting to use the internet and maybe some limited contact right now, but once we get through this, you know, I hope that we've taken time to open our hearts to the Lord and see how we can actually minister and be effective as a church, uh, you know, once we actually are unleashed. And I hope that you're chomping at the bit. I hope that you're hungry to get out there and minister to people. But I also think of places like China and in the Middle East where, uh, you know, it's hostile to preach the God. They're hostile toward Christianity and it's even illegal or they're forced underground. You know, it's interesting. We're not really in that situation. Um, and I was trying to decide if I wanted to comment on some of these ideas going around, but Hey, let's go for it. I think I will comment on some of these ideas. Some of those ideas being that, you know, the government is telling us how to, uh, run our churches and the government is, there's a secret plan from the Illuminati and that Microsoft guy releasing the virus to kill us all and weed the population down, which there are evil people. Uh, fueled by demonic doctrines that do want to control the planet, and this you know stuff happens. There are false flag uh, events in our nation and in the world. There are there have been globalist leaders rise up and want to you know control and kill, and that's uh, obviously all demonic, and that's fueled by the enemy. It's contrary to God's plans. But I also think that in the midst of that, because, you know, at, at this time I'm getting all types of links, I'm getting all types of input, and, and, I, and I enjoy it. I like hearing from everybody. I like hearing people's input and texts and Facebook messages and all the different uh, sources that are being sent to me because I, I do. I read those. I listen. I study. I pay attention. Um, I'm not quite ready to throw my hat in the ring that, you know, the Antichrist is about to pop up and all that type of stuff. If you look at what's happening right now, the government is not infringing on the church's rights. They are doing what they feel like is best for the general population and our health, and that is to recommend to stay at home. That's everybody. Now, if they made Christianity illegal, or if in like some nations we were being killed for our faith, or the government, like in the early church, the government was actually telling people, you cannot preach this message and throwing us in jail. That would be another story. All that's happening right now is everybody is reacting to this shockwave that's gone throughout the world in our nation uh, that we're all trying to figure out how to respond to this. So, you know, until I see Christians being locked up or I see, you know, a mandate coming down saying Christianity is illegal, I'm just, I'm really not that worried about uh, the state of the church going forward. You know, my general mindset is this, that great stone that was cast into the earth that smashed the world governments, that is Jesus prophesied in Isaiah and Daniel 
and expounded upon in Jesus' teachings and even in the Revelation. My expectation is that to the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And if we have some bad times in between now and the resurrection and the final judgment and the restoration of all things, uh, whatever happens in those years, uh, some of the stuff we're just not going to be able to change, you know. You cannot grow enough gardens. You cannot pile enough toilet paper. You cannot uh, hide in a high enough mountain to get away from what may or may not happen in those times. So it's like, you know, the only real mandate we have is preach the gospel. Keep going into the world and, and proclaim the victory of Jesus. You know, whether there are evil powers that are trying to organize and take over the world, I'm sure there are. That has happened since the beginning of time and probably will continue to happen until Jesus return and destroy all that. But in the meantime, trust God. In the meantime, if, if uh, there is massive persecution that comes down you know, globally, then I'll see you in heaven. I'll meet you down on the right side of the throne of God and we'll worship forever together, amen? I'm just really not that worried about it. If it comes time when there's mass persecution and there's beheadings in the streets and all of that, so be it. Um, I don't think we're there. I think we are in a time where the world is doing what the world does and it is experiencing the fruit of sin. Death is the fruit of sin. I think the world is just in general experiencing what we've done to it. God is not controlling the planet. God is not determining all of the minute details of every little thing that happens in our lives and every virus and every earthquake and every tornado that comes along. He's not the one sitting there with the puppet strings orchestrating all of those kinds of things. Is he sovereign? Absolutely he's sovereign. But he cannot go against the things that he put into place. If he decrees something and he goes against it, then everything falls apart. And what he decreed and what he put into place was to give authority and dominion to mankind over this planet. And anything that you see in between of God coming into this earth to bring judgment and pestilence or anything like that. Mostly he was defending Israel because they were in a covenant with him and they kept making bad decisions over and over and over and forcing God into a position to uphold his end of the covenant to protect them. Had they not gone and followed other gods and, and idols and all that kind of stuff, they would not have found themselves in the position that they were in. They would have followed him into what he wanted them to be, and that was a nation of priests to be a blessing to the earth. That was what was prophesied through Israel, but they kept messing it up over and over and over and over, and he had to keep defending them and bailing them out. <clears throat> so I'm going to go over a couple of subjects today. Specifically, I'm going to talk about tribulation and suffering. Now, I, do, I will encourage you because I know that there's going to be people watch that say, well, what about this or what about that or what about this passage or what about this passage? And I invite those, you know. I know somebody's going to throw in there about Peter where God tests our hearts. I'm not specifically going to address that today. But if that's something that somebody's interested in, you know, I actually have a, a series out there called um, Is God in Control on my website. You can go to clintbuyers.com under my free teachings. And um, the, the series Is God in Control, I go through a lot of that. So in looking at suffering and persecution, let me just give you the bottom line, and the bottom line is this. We are under a new covenant with the Father. Actually, the, the covenant that we are in is between the Father and the Son, 
And by faith, we are in the Son, and the Son is upholding the covenant, the everlasting covenant of peace that is based on better promises, that is sealed in the blood of Christ, and we are invited into that when we express our faith and our trust in the Son as our propitiation, as our atonement, as our righteousness. He is that ark that we are safe in, that God seals from the outside, and we are hidden with Christ in God forever. Amen and amen. It is not up to us to uphold the covenant, and you cannot break the covenant. If you keep the faith, there are warnings to keep the faith, to stay in trust toward Jesus. Don't back away from the faith. Don't back away. Don't lose hope. You know, the early church experienced severe persecution, and there was teachings over and over and over again. Don't lose faith. Don't lose faith. Yes, there's there's plenty of instruction to how to live morally, how to live well within the salvation that we've been given, to live holy lives because we have been given peace with the Father. We are in right standing with the Father, and we absolutely should live worthy of that calling. We should live worthy of that kind of life that we've been given. Certainly, the law of instruction of how to live still applies, but not for righteousness. Those are divine prescriptions to live within the natural order of how it is in God's kingdom, and it will go well for us. There is protection when we live that way. It's not a cause and effect, meaning we keep a law and then we're protected. It's that because we trust him and our hearts are open to him, we experience those promises and we experience that protection. So in terms of tribulation and suffering, because I see people talking about suffering and how you know, disease and things like that, especially this virus going around right now, is uh, God releasing tribulation and suffering and, and shaking the earth and, you know, all, all of those types of ideas. But if you look at suffering and you look at tribulation in context of Scripture, and I've done this and I encourage you to do this, go through, find a good concordance. I, I, I like blueletterbible.org. It's online or you can go old school with an actual book. And look up every single scripture on tribulation, suffering, trial, persecution, all of that stuff, and really actually look in context of what they're saying. Here's what you'll find. Persecution comes for the sake of the gospel. Tribulation is part of what you experience when you are being persecuted. And also then you will experience suffering if you are persecuted for the word's sake. There is absolutely no context at all to say that losing your job or disease coming in the land or governments falling or any of that type of stuff is something that God is doing to create suffering in our lives. The only kind of suffering that God endorses is if he has called you to go into a land to preach the gospel and you might experience hostility, you might experience persecution, then suffer as they did in the early church as a result. Now, in that place of suffering, you are encouraged to remain faithful, to live well within that holiness that you've been given. And so it teaches you perseverance. It teaches you patience. It teaches you how to remain strong in those kinds of things. You use it as a resource to teach you. It's like a mind. So suffering would be like a mind renewal resource to help you continue along that path of transformation. It's not something that God does to you to make you more holy, as if anything that you do in your flesh could make you more holy. Meaning if you suffer and you remain faithful and then you're more holy, then you are more holy because you suffered in your flesh. Does that make sense? You can't, 
you can't experience a spiritual reality because of what's happened in your flesh. The natural mind doesn't receive the things of the spirit. It's all an inner working of his spirit within us. So let me look at a couple of passages here. The word with the idea of tribulation. You can look at Matthew 13 for a reference, but tribulation uh, means it's also translated as trouble and affliction in scripture. So a lot of times you'll see trouble and affliction in the, in the, the uh, translation that I'm going to read today, a couple of these passages, it's actually uh, translated as trouble, but it means pressure or distress. So like an external pressure or distress coming upon you. So let's look at John 16, 31. In fact, if you, if you have a Bible or you want to, you can, you can just listen and look these up later. And I'll post up a blog on our website that um, has all of these passages listed. So this is Jesus in John 16, 31. And he says, do you finally believe Jesus replied? Look, <clears throat> I like that. Look, I, I like to see the personality of Jesus in some of these passages. You know, that's a Southern thing. Look, listen, look. An hour is coming and has already come when you will be scattered in his own home and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. All right, so in the world you will have tribulation tribulation will come. Again, if you go and you look, you never, you can't find any new covenant reference to tribulation being a tool of God in your life to bring about a spiritual purpose. Back in the old covenant, especially the plagues of Egypt, the tribulation that came upon uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians and those nations was, again, God protecting Israel in the midst of that. Those were covenantal protections and punishments to those that, uh, that came against his people. Now, we're under a new covenant. God is not relating to the earth in terms of having to protect a bloodline because the Messiah is already in the earth. We have a new covenant now that is based on better promises where God is not having to send judgment to protect a group of people. God is not having to send plagues to drive people out of a land ahead of them to so that the Messiah can eventually be born. We are in the new covenant. We are safe in Christ. And all of that judgment has actually been poured out on Jesus. So um, let's look at, let's look at the, some of these definitions here. So John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Now, the word overcome means conquered or victory. So he has conquered or he has victory over the world. Now, the word world is the Greek word cosmos, and it does, so there's like eight different definitions for the word world. And it's important, it's important to know how to study the Bible because when you go and you look at all those eight definitions for the word cosmos in the Greek, uh, it will actually, a, a good concordance or lexicon, I like to use the Thayer's Greek lexicon, which is the full version is available on uh, blueletterbible.org, but it will actually show you which definition applies to which particular passage. So when you study out John 16, 33, it tells you that that falls under definition number six, 
of cosmos. Now, all of the definitions together actually do mean the universe, the earth, the world's governments. And I've heard whole teachings about how Jesus has come overcome the world's governments. And, and that is true in a broad sense, but what this is specifically talking about, and it's important to understand what I'm about to say, the specific definition of the world that Jesus has overcome is related to the tribulation that comes from people that are hostile to the gospel. That's what Jesus is talking about. So definition number six of cosmos is the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. That is what Jesus has overcome. That is the aspect of the world that Jesus has overcome. Those that are hostile to the gospel, those that are un the ungodly multitude, as he calls them. And why is that important? Because it gives us context into the kind of tribulation that comes against us that you'll see in the next passage that God actually comforts us in. So let me just say that simply and clearly. The kind of tribulation that we might experience in this earth comes from persecution. It comes from those that are hostile toward the gospel, those that persecuted Jesus, those that caused Jesus to suffer we share in those same sufferings. In other words, we experience persecution for our faith, which those of us mostly in the Western world aren't really experiencing much persecution for our faith. Somebody might say something mean to you online, but that's far different than what's experiencing and uh, what you know believers are experiencing in other parts of the, the world. So again, just to re, you know, give you the bottom line on John 16, 33, he's overcome those people that have that that are hostile toward him and the gospel and we in him also overcome he says in the world you're gonna have tribulation you're gonna have people who are hostile he said it's a different way of him saying look they hated me they're gonna hate you they're gonna try to kill me they're gonna try to kill you but take courage i've overcome the world all right so now suffering specifically let's go down to romans 5. romans 5 i'm going to start in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, I, I love that. I mean, there's a whole series, there's a whole book that could be written in that. We are justified through faith. So since we are justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Again, so much more in that. We open our hearts in faith to stand in grace. Grace is that inner influence just emanating directly from the heart of God that strengthens us. It's that Ephesians 3 being strengthened in our inner man so that our hearts are filled with Christ and we know his love for us and, we, and, it, and it expresses itself as fullness filled to the measure of Christ in our lives. <clears throat> Man, it's, it's easy to just do some serious preaching on this online stuff. I get, in, I get in my own thoughts and just run with it and I don't have a clock so... You can jump in out, come back and watch the rest of this. I see people coming in and out. I see comments going on over there. I don't know. Are you keeping up with the comments? I'd love to jump. Maybe I'll jump in here in a minute. But anyway, I'm distracting myself. Let me get back in here. So Romans 5 verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us 
because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So yes, absolutely, if we walk uprightly, if we live well as believers within those times we are experiencing uh, persecution, we should learn perseverance, we should learn patience, and it should develop character within us. But this is in reference to the church being persecuted. Many times Paul wrote letters to the persecuted church and he's encouraging them, look, don't draw back. I realize you're being arrested. You're being thrown into prison. We're even losing our lives. Don't draw back. The persecution and the tribulation that you're experiencing from those that are hostile to the gospel, hold the faith, keep the faith. And as you remain patient, you are strengthened in your inner man. It's not that the external pressure teaches you inwardly. It's that when you are pressured externally, if you turn toward the love of God inwardly, that's where the character comes from. That no matter what happens on the outside, you turn inwardly toward God and a character is developed. It's not God saying, hmm, I think, let's use Lauren. It's her birthday. I can use her. I think Lauren needs to learn some patience and I think she needs more hope and she's not really persevering very well. So let's make her life difficult for a little while so that it will teach her patience. That's not how it works. It works in that Lauren is vocal in her faith and she's stepping out there and there are people around her that are coming against her message and she's a little bit discouraged and she's maybe even fearful that she's going to lose her right to speak. But if she remains faith, if she keeps her heart open to be strengthened by God's love inwardly in a moment like that, it'll teach her character. She'll have hope. She'll have, she'll have that strength to continue to hold on to the love of God, which brings a wholeness and remain faithful and continue to preach the gospel. That's what learning perseverance under persecution looks like. It's because of the stuff that's happening, you inwardly choose to let God strengthen you and you dig deep into his love for you you learn character and you continue to move forward. It's, it's just a little tweak, it's a bit of a nuance, but, it, but it's so important to understand because the character of God is what we're talking about. How God treats us and how God relates to us. He's a good father that's not gonna give us snakes or stones if we ask for bread. He knows what we need before we ever even ask. He has good plans for us. He's a good father. That doesn't mean we're sliding over into the prosperity gospel where God wants everything to work out perfectly. Of course he wants everything to work out perfectly. He wants us to experience heaven on earth. That's what he wants. But because we've messed it up, we're experiencing all of this difficulty. Part of it might be experiencing persecution and tribulation because we continue in the gospel. So God, it's gonna read this. God, this is something I wrote uh, just preparing. God is for you in the midst of suffering that comes from persecution. He's a high priest, touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He has empathy and compassion for the things we may experience in this, experience in this world, like illness, loss of loved ones, and financial hardship, or hunger, and even more trivial things like flat tires, your washing machine going out, or your tree falls on your house. So let me tell you what I mean by that. You're getting ready to go to work, you walk outside, your tire's flat or uh you know a tree so let's say let's say storm comes along a tree falls on your house you got to go to work the next morning your tires flat and when you finally do get to work you realize you, your boss tells you that your pay is going to be cut by 20 percent for the next two months now if that happened to you most people would be tempted to question god what are you doing 
God, why are you letting this happen to me? Well, maybe he's just bringing these difficulties into my life so I'll experience suffering, so I'll learn perseverance and patience. There is zero biblical context to support that type of mindset. That only comes from horrible biblical or horrible teaching that's not even really rooted in the Bible. You cannot find one instance in Scripture uh, where the Bible teaches that. And I'm hearing it. What about Job? Some bunch of you are asking, what about Job? Well, what about Job? Let me ask you this. Who actually took everything away from Job? Satan. It was Satan that came in. He was the persecutor. He was the one that was messing around. And, and, then, and, then, and then I hear it. People say, well, God allowed Satan to do that. Well, God allows everything that mankind chooses to engage in on this planet. Ultimately, if you, since you're asking about Job, <laughs> uh, Joe, God shows up, reads his bu prophet buddies the riot act about uh, misrepresenting who God is. Job then he speaks directly to Job and he's like, who do you think you are accusing me that you might be righteous? And that goes all the way back to the beginning of the first things that he said. Now, he didn't know that he was speaking against the Lord because he didn't yet know the Lord. So God didn't uh, count it as sin against him. But once he revealed himself, uh, then Job knew. And Job said, well, I've heard about you, but now I know you. And he repents and he changes his mind. It is true that it's said uh, that Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But in his life... If you, so think about that. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But who actually did the taking away? Satan. You apply a little bit of logic and you realize, oh, that statement that Job made, it's true that he said it, but it's not a true statement because it wasn't God that took anything away from him. God put boundaries in place to protect him. Now, again, I'm not going to go into, I mean, I've got whole teachings on Job, I think on my website, um, trials, the, the series trials, and then also, uh, is God in control? I think I go a little bit more into Job, but, uh, so the suffering that you might experience on this planet that God would endorse again to recap would be if you're persecuted for preaching the gospel, not difficulties in your life. Like, Again, that horrible scenario I outlined, your tree falls on your house, you go out to work, you got a flat tire, you get to work and your pay has been cut. A lot of people would say, well, I just got to remain patient. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why he lied. A lot of people would say, what did I do for God to let this happen to me? And that is, that is nowhere near scriptural thinking to try to reason through external difficulties. And those are not the kinds of tribulations that God will bring into your life to teach you anything. Now, that stuff just happens. So let's keep going here. This is a big one where people talk about suffering and, and you know people will say, well, Jesus suffered, so therefore we have to suffer. And I'm going to go, so this will be the last passage that I read, and then I've got some commentary on us experiencing the same kind of suffering that Jesus experienced. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through, okay, what did he actually experience? What did Jesus experience that we can experience and can't experience? There are some things that Jesus suffered that we cannot suffer because he was the Messiah. We don't have the opportunity to suffer as the Messiah suffered. Anyway, let's read this passage here. So 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 3. <clears throat> now, 
The church at Corinth didn't experience as much persecution as the rest of the church, uh, like in Asia and different places, but um, Paul is writing to the Corinth church from where he is, and they were probably, so in Corinth, there were people that were saying maybe that Paul wasn't actually of God because if he was of God, he wouldn't be experiencing these difficulties. And, you know, we hear that type of teaching these days. Uh, But in context, he's writing to a group of people, mostly a Gentile church. It's interesting, the church at Corinth, uh, you know, depending on the commentary that you read or some of the historical references, it was only about 40 to 150 people. I'm not sure how they know that, but those historians that go in and figure that stuff out, it's interesting to know. So, so, all right, 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. I love that. The God of all comfort. That is who God is. He is the God of all comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all our affliction or tribulation, same word, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction or tribulation with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So when you experience tribulation, when you experience persecution, and there's suffering associated with it, God will comfort you. And one of the reasons he will comfort you is so that you can then comfort others who are going through it at the same time. I get it. I lost my, both my father and mother passed from cancer. Watched them suffer. Mom a little bit closer. She lived right next door and I was over there all the time. At the end, every day, I pretty much just moved in there the last few weeks and watched her suffer. Now, if, if we thought, it's not just about carnal logic or thinking, but if there were a context where we see in Scripture that God did those things in people's lives so that they would trust Him, He is a sadistic, masochistic weirdo. There is just not any context to apply that type of suffering. This world has pain within it. This world has lost. This world is broken. God gave it to us. We messed it up. We're experiencing the fruit of everything that we did to it. One day he's going to come in and restore it. Cancer is not God's will. There's no cancer in heaven. Therefore, it's not his will. He created this place perfect. He gave us Jesus in the midst who went around, went about doing good, healing all. In the end, he wraps it all up, wipes away all that sickness and disease. We live forever in perfect health. That's God's will. (coughs) All right. Let me just get back on this here. So he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in tribulation. And out of that comfort that we've experienced, we also then can turn and comfort others. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted or if we experience tribulation, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Now, what's he talking about? Being arrested. He's talking about going without food, being shipwrecked, uh, being beaten. Uh, You know, Paul was stoned and beaten several times and told they tried to kill him multiple times and and for, uh, for preaching the gospel. Those are the kinds of things he's talking about. He's not talking about, okay, well, James has cancer now, so... What we're going to do is we're going to hope that he makes it and we're going to hope that he learns 
through this difficulty and tribulation and suffering that God is bringing into his life through illness. No, never is it referring, referring to that. It's always talking about being persecuted for your faith when suffering comes along. You know, we can't just carnally, logically think through everything, but you do have to pull out of Scripture the context of what all of these subjects are uh, discussed in. So, verse 7, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction, tribulation, we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Why? Why did they despair, despair of life? Why were they so burdened? Not because of something that God was doing to them or allowing in their lives, but because of what they were experiencing for preaching the gospel. Uh, indeed, verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely on our, not ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, people will take that phrase in verse 9, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That people will take that and interpret as if it's saying, but that was meant to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, as if there is a purpose in those things. But if you look in the original language, and, and even apply some modern-day grammar where you try to you take out unnecessary words, what it's actually saying is that, uh, but that made us rely on not ourselves, but on God. So the persecution that they were experiencing, it's not that it was meant to make them rely on God. It's that it, it did make them rely on God. It caught, their response was to rely on God. Do you see the difference? So that it wasn't meant by God to put, be put in their lives so that they would rely on him. But because they experienced it, their response was to rely on God. I hope you see that difference. It's a huge difference. The character of God is at stake in these passages. And these are the types of nuanced passages that get misinterpreted and used in all different types of denominations and non-denominations to misrepresent who God actually is and how he's relating to us on this planet, especially his uh, followers, you know, those in his family. So, Verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Now, why would they set their hope that he would deliver them out of the tribulation and persecution and the suffering? They're talking about experiencing the suffering of Jesus. They're talking about experiencing the same kind of suffering that Jesus experienced. But yet he ends with, and we trust that God's going to deliver us out of it. Now, why would he want out of it? if it was from God to make them persevere and give them hope. It, it just doesn't make sense. So then you hear people say, and there are passages about if we suffer with Christ. All of that is saying is, if you don't back away from the faith. In context, in the early church, there were lots of people who would become believers, Jewish that would become Christian, Gentiles that would become Christian, a lot of them would face persecution and they would turn back. That's what Hebrews is warning about. Don't turn back. Uh, don't continue in sin because there is no more sacrifice for sin. But then the warning is don't turn back away from the faith. The sin that he's talking about not turning away from 
is drawing back from the faith. That's a whole other topic, and I have teachings on that as well. But So let me, let me end on this idea. Uh, suffering the same things that Jesus suffered, or suffering with Christ. Some will even push it so far as to say, if you don't suffer with Christ, then your salvation isn't complete, or you know whatever. You going to heaven is dependent upon you suffering with Jesus. Now, let me just ask you a few questions. What did Jesus suffer? Well, we know he was born into a family that was probably ridiculed and persecuted under Jewish custom because uh, Mary, his mother, was pregnant before she was married. So he was born into a shameful, from their customs, uh, family. And I'm sure that had ramifications in a lot of his young life. Think about, our, think about life in just our culture where there's an unwed mother uh, and, and what our thoughts are toward people in that situation. So that's the first thing that he experienced. And then uh, when he actually stepped out into his messianic call and was anointed and, and began to preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and began to announce the arrival of the kingdom, you know, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, change, you're gonna have to change the way you think because I brought the kingdom with me. It's not... Let me stay on track here. <laughs> so the question is, what did Jesus suffer that we actually can suffer too, right? So because it, he, so, get myself distracted here. So he's born into that family of shame. Then also, what, what else did he experience suffering through? And that is claiming to be the Messiah, right? The Jews wanted to kill him. And the Romans didn't like it either because there was only one supreme leader, Caesar. They didn't like him saying he was a king either. Even Pontius Pilate's like, you know, pressed him on that. So he experienced persecution for claiming to be the Messiah. Can you experience that same persecution? Maybe if you've taken too many drugs and you think that you're Jesus. I know people that have done that, right? So you can experience that type of persecution. Uh, what else did he experience? So let's fast forward to the cross. He was nailed to a cross to be the sin offering for the entire world. Can you experience that persecution? Can you be killed as the sin offering for the entire world? No, you cannot. Can you be... Uh, can you die on that cross and pass into the grave and have to conquer death, hell, and the grave by your own faith as a human being to gain victory over every aspect that exists? He had to go down to conquer that place. Can you experience that type of persecution? Absolutely, of course not. So if you just think about, okay, so if we suffer with Jesus, what kind of suffering did he experience can we actually experience the same kind of suffering to have an opportunity to remain faithful under? Does that make sense? Does that make sense, that question there? And it's only the same things that the rest of the apostles experience, and that is persecution for proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Persecution for proclaiming the gospel, that there is only one way. I mean, even popular talk show hosts will ridicule you if you say there is only one way. Oprah said, there can't possibly be one way. I'm sure you've seen that video. She is wrong. 
We might experience that kind of persecution. The people in the Middle East that are being put in cages and drowned and, and, and all of the persecution against Jesus for proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, we can experience those, but you can experience persecution to, as the Messiah. So again, all of that to say, and I'm going to just bring it all down just to a couple of phrases and then, and then end here. Tribulation and suffering might come into your life as the result of you stepping out to preach the gospel. But God is not bringing hardships into your life as a tribulation to bring pressure to teach you holiness or teach you perseverance through suffering. When that stuff happens outwardly, if you are persecuted, then remain faithful to him. Look inwardly to experience that inner presence where he is shedding abroad his love in your heart through his spirit and you are strengthened and you develop character inwardly. You develop patience inwardly to walk faithful as, a, as an example that the pressures of this world cannot rob your faith away because you know a greater reality and that is the spirit of the living God dwells within you and that spirit has overcome this world and you are delivered from this world. You are delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son where you will forever be with the, at the right hand of the father because you are in Christ. Amen. That's what, that, that's what it looks like. So loss, job loss, the loss of loved ones, uh, bringing it even down to, again, like I said, flat tires, your dishwasher goes out, maybe you break your favorite plate, maybe you break your favorite, you know, coffee mug. I got one of my favorite coffee mugs. Or maybe you break your favorite coffee mug. Or, you know, you might laugh and you might think that that's silly, but you get enough of those. Let's say you stub your toe, you break your favorite coffee mug, your dog gets sick, and you got a flat tire. All those things happen within a four-hour period. Let's say that happens to you. A lot of people would go to the place of, God, what is happening? Why are you doing this to me? Well, if I remain patient in suffering, I'm just experiencing these short trials right now. I remain patient. It'll teach me perseverance. That, that, that is not in context with what he's talking about, about experiencing persecution and tribulation and suffering for preaching the gospel. Now, God will comfort you in those things. He cares about those things. He doesn't want your dog sick. He doesn't want you to pay cut. But, but that's not the kind of stuff that he's doing to you and in your life and allowing in this world and especially this virus that's going throughout the planet to teach us and draw us closer to him. One last thought, this Second Chronicles passage, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's just not necessarily a, a new covenant a prayer that we can pray. You know, if, you, if I were to go through and dissect that, that was in response to the plagues in the land at the time. Uh, we now know that the kingdom of heaven is within us. God is not sitting there with his arms crossed waiting for us to repent and turn toward him to get up and act into this earth. He has placed his spirit within us. He has given us a message to go out and preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to recover sight to the blind, the blind spiritually, to draw people into the kingdom. It is the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It is the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. God is not sitting there waiting for the nation to get holy enough to deliver our land. He has sent the Messiah. He's, the Messiah now dwells within you, you as a believer, to go into the world and proclaim. 
And I see the earth waiting, groaning, and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of God to rise up and carry the power of the life and death of, of life and death in our tongue and proclaim the gospel. To show the world this stuff doesn't bother us. Even if we lose our lives, even if we lose everything on the midst of this, we know that God is our comforter. We know that God is our hope. We know that God is for us and he is not against us. We are ambassadors in a distant land in this earth, maybe experiencing difficulty until we reside in our actual heavenly home forever. This temporary world doesn't define who we are. The things we might go through and experience on this planet don't shake our faith. Yeah, we might get hungry. Yeah, we might lose things. Yes, the, you know, the, the structure of the world might change and evil people come into power and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you, you do realize who wins, right? God wins and we will be forever with him in eternal bliss. I don't want any of us to go hungry. I don't want any of us to, you know, be uncomfortable, but it might happen. But it's not God making you uncomfortable to make you more holy or to any of that nonsense. I, I don't want to keep talking in circles here, but I just, I just want to get that point across. God is for you. God loves you. He is not against you. He is not making your life difficult so that you will become more spiritual or more holy. Any persecution or tribulation or suffering that you might experience only has to do with preaching the gospel. So let's keep preaching the gospel. In fact, if you're experiencing persecution, well done. If you're experiencing, you know, difficulty and your life is being, you're experiencing hardships because of a direct response to you being bold and proclaiming the gospel, well done. Well done. Rejoice in that. But I also would say stay strong. But if you're looking at this life in externals like viruses and you know, the economy dipping and all of that kind of stuff and wondering what God is doing. No, don't even try and interpret God's will through external situation. I, I think even if we were in some type of uh, end time scenario, it would be abundantly clear to those of us that are believers, God would be speaking to our hearts and we would know. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that, that it would be pretty clear the time that we were in I think right now we're just experiencing the ebb and flow of what this planet does in response to humanity. So I, I'll, I'll leave with this. I want to encourage you. God is for you. Don't try and interpret, interpret his will through external circumstances. We know his will and we know what to do. Remain faithful. And even if we stay in quarantine and, you know, like some people are saying, it could be months and months uh, till the end of the summer you know, just go outside, dig a hole. God will put some gold in the ground for you. No, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's silly. But what I'm saying is don't, you know, don't factor out supernatural provision in the midst of this. You know, God will take care of you. God loves you. God is for you. Even if you have to fast for a couple of weeks, you'll be all right. You'll be just fine. Some of us could use it. <laughs> anyway, I, um, gosh, I almost want to keep going here. There's still like 80 people watching, but anyway, let's see. What, you want to slide back in here? Maybe respond to some of these comments. There's still a bunch of people watching. And you haven't? 
anyway, thanks for thanks for watching. I think we will. We'll scroll here a little bit, kind of hang out with you guys. Happy due date day. Lauren is talking. Uh, let's see, Brooke Wilson. He helps us inwardly. He helps turn uh, helps us turn inwardly to God. Amen. Patience, young grasshopper. What is Lauren talking about? Because you told her that the whole story that you said and used her as an example oh, yeah. was about patience. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's Danny and Pat up in is that medicine hat that you're in? Let's see, Michael Tatum, the gospel always such good news. Amen. Melissa Coriel, God is not punishing America with COVID-19. Amen. Amen. Y'all be bold and share these thoughts. Share these scriptures that come to mind. Share, you know, if you talk to someone and they they are... Um, just saying they're in a peaceful place. Share that on social media. Like Linda says, let's be bold and strong. Yeah, let's light up social media with positive things. You know, share pictures of your family or what you're doing to stay in peace. Uh, I know Cassidy and Josh, sorry. No, you're good. I was. I know Cassidy and Josh said they were um, doing communion. You know, share that on Facebook and encourage others um, just in those things. Anita. Jim and Anita, much needed message. Good to hear from you guys. <clears throat> Encouraging. Jim. <laughs> Jim Crow. I can always count on Jim to say, keep going. Josh, the world is listening. They need true shelter. God will use this for his glory. Amen. I think that's all that I'm seeing. So we love you guys really looking forward to being able to gather in person again. Any final thoughts before we pray? You want to pray? I'll pray. I notice I keep touching my nose. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you. We trust you. We open our hearts fully to you. Man, I tell you what, I, I just feel that sense of peace. You know, when, when you learn how to meditate, when you learn how to... Okay, well, so there's still 60 people watching. They're, they're going to be sorry they missed this because I'm going to jump back into some meditation here. But uh, you're going to step out. I can't see that Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to walk through a little bit of a meditation here uh, as, as a prayer. Let's see. We'll meditate together for just a moment. <clears throat> Hold tight. So I and there the Lord said, no, don't, don't rush. Don't rush off. Take a moment to um, commune, with, commune with the Spirit of God together. <clears throat> so, I don't know, a little bit of insight. So when I, when I stopped just then to pray, to close out, my, I became fully aware of God within me. Like my heart, 
and it's probably a natural a natural conditioning for me because I've done so much excuse me prayer and meditation that when I when I stop you know I when I stop and I be, and I start to pray uh, inwardly there's a shift where I just I just boom I just I'm just aware of God and then I can actually feel my breathing starts to slow down my shoulders relax you know I'm not more spiritual than you. I'm not more holy than you. I've just done this more. And when I stop and I turn my attention inwardly, I just feel that. I even I even feel a wave of peace just kind of start to, to wash over me. And you will feel physical relaxation and peace. It's, it may or may not be the Spirit of God. But your body will just feel that sense of peace as you stop, turn your attention toward Him. Relax. Take a deep breath. Honestly, I think every time we pray, we should be in a relaxed state. We should be in a state where our heart is aware of Him, where we're understanding that His Spirit is giving us life. You know, our, the mindset of prayer is that, that He is giving strength to our inner man. And let me give you this little uh, breathing technique. You've probably seen it, but you breathe in and you can count. Some people get caught up on the counting. When you're taking a deep breath, you want to make sure that you're not tensing up your shoulders and your back and your neck and your stomach. You want to make sure that you're relaxing. So when you breathe in, you're relaxing. When you breathe out, you're relaxing even deeper. There's several things that happen. You're Sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system begins to recalibrate and take over. You go out of that fight or flight mode. You go out of that mode where you're in that, you know, kind of defensive protection mode. And I'm not making an emotional statement about your mindset. I'm talking about the physical state of your body, your physiology. When you, when you stop and relax and you breathe deeply, All of the processes in your body, your physiology, uh, that begins the process of restoration and repair, including your immune system, it's like all of that gets the focus. The blood and the oxygen goes toward those systems within your nervous system and, the, and within your hormones and within your, your body in general, your physiology. When you relax, when you let the tension go out of your body, it's like it's a signal to the billions and trillions of cells within your body say, okay, now, boom, shift toward restoration, shift toward healing, which is extremely important to nourish our immune system right now for ourselves and for the sake of others. So here's the breathing technique. Breathe in, staying relaxed. Don't force the breath and breathe out. So let me, let me explain it to you. So you breathe in for four, breathe out for four, and then let the breath stay out for four. So breathe in. And out. And then hold it out. And then breathe in. And then out. And then hold it. You may notice 
Should you close off your windpipe? Should you keep it open? Well, do whichever is comfortable. I tend to leave it open. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Well, one thing that you'll notice is you might even begin to feel your heartbeat when you're holding that breath out for four seconds. That's a good sign. That means that oxygen is moving, blood is flowing, your immune system is get, being given the opportunity, your parasympathetic and uh, nervous system, your sympathetic parasympathetic are coming back into balance. And even your heart will slow down. The frequency within your brain comes back in. All of that stuff, there's no magic to it. It's not that, you know, it's not that you're going to try to hear some great revelation from God. It's that you're just putting your body at a state of peace so that you can also then begin to influence your inner man to be at peace. And in that place, God flows through you. Or let me say it this way. You stop constricting the Spirit of God from flowing through you. A couple more breaths. Breathe in. Out. And then hold it. You feel that? It's relaxing deeper each time. Now, I'll walk you through some scriptural uh, confession. You just keep breathing. And you can inwardly repeat these. The Spirit of God lives within me. God is for me and He is not against me. God is love. I have His breath of life within me. And above all else, God desires that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Just acknowledge that. God desires that I be in health. You know, the Word of God is a lot like your heartbeat. It's a lot like your immune system. It's a lot like all of those processes that are going on inside of your body with, without you having to tell them what to do. Your cells, all of the internal systems, are they know what to do. God designed your body to eliminate free radicals, to restore cells, to bring life, to grow new cells, to, to repair. So it is with the kingdom of God. And the more at peace you are, the more in faith you are toward Him, the more confident you are toward Him, the less you will sh uh, choke out His Word. Same thing with your physical body. The more at peace you are, the more balanced you are, the more you take care of this temple, the more it will function the way that it was designed to function and that immune system will repair and will restore. And inwardly, spiritually, the kingdom of God is growing. When you are at peace, when you are acknowledging that you have peace with the Father, when you are acknowledging that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you are clearing out that condemnation out of your mind and out of your soul. You're setting your attention on Him. You're acknowledging Him. And in that place, He will lead you. And all of those fruits of His Spirit grow within you. Jesus gave us the parable and He explained it. 
The kingdom of God is in you and it is growing. Only the cares of this life, the lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches, all of that stuff that causes us to stress, fear and worry, chokes the word. But if you let all of that go and you trust him, the God of all comfort dwells within you and is giving you peace and strengthening your inner man. And the whole explanation that Jesus gives us of how all of that works, it's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He doesn't know how it works. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how that seed works, but it produces after its own kind. Do you have faith in the seed? Do you have faith in the kingdom? You really don't even need faith in it to make anything happen. You just need faith that it will grow so that you don't throw all of the other junk on top of that kingdom seed that chokes it out. The fear, the worry, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Many of you, your jobs are uncertain right now. Use this as an opportunity to influence your heart, to persuade your heart that God is your provider. God is not limited to your job. God is not caught off guard by a global virus. God can make a way where there is no way. His spirit within you leads you and guides you into all peace. His spirit within you is teaching you wisdom. He is manifesting unto you provision. Now just take another deep breath. Stay relaxed. Breathe out. Hold it. Just acknowledge God is for me. God, you are not limited. You are not limited by what's going on in the world. You bring comfort to me and you are my provider. I trust you. I trust you. I love you. I thank you that you love me. No plague will come near my dwelling. When I go forward, your angels protect me. You are teaching my mind to think like you think. You are teaching my mind to not be limited by carnality. I am reminded, Jesus, that you overcame this world. My trust is in the unlimited resources of God and not in the limited resources of this world. Yes, I might have decisions that I need to make externally in response to what's going on around me, but I will make those under the direction of the Lord. I will make those <clears throat> remembering that God is my provider. God, you are not limited. I trust you, my Lord. I trust you, my Lord. And just stay at peace. That, this is where the battle is. This is where the battle is. How you respond in moments like this will determine whether or not you hear God's leading for whatever that next job opportunity is. For whatever those decisions are that you need to make concerning uh, what happens to you and your job and your family during this difficult time when this virus is spreading. 
Moments like this will make or break the difference in your future where you can persuade your heart that God is your provider beyond what happens in this world around you. And do you want to know how it works? It's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it works, but it produces after its own kind. That's what you're doing. You're tending the garden of God's kingdom within you. You're tending the garden of God's promises within you. You're acknowledging that He loves you and that you love Him. I trust you, Lord. I'm not, I'm not worried. <laughs> I can actually have joy in this process. I, I don't doubt that your kingdom grows. I don't doubt that your kingdom is growing within me and your spirit is leading me and guiding me into your provision. I know that that's how your kingdom works. I don't know how it's all going to work out in my life, but I know that that's what you're seeking to do in my life. I trust you. I trust you beyond any difficulty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Until you are edified. Are you with me? Amen. You do that until you are edified. You do that until you are built up. You do that until you're full of faith, until you look out and you're like, oh yeah, there's a virus in the land. Huh. I better make some good decisions right now, but I am full of faith right now. I'm full of hope. I know that God is for me. I don't care what happens out there. Whatever happens, there's a solution. God is unlimited. God's, un God's resources are absolutely unlimited. And I am in his kingdom. I am delivered from the power of darkness and I live within his kingdom. And God is for me. Amen. And that's what we got to do. I feel pretty good. Let's preach another hour. You want to? Oh, there's like 60 people still watching. But anyway, I hope that you got something out of that. Um, if you're just now joining, jump back in and walk through that meditation. Maybe even share with your friends and family. People need it. I know people need to know how to actually persuade their hearts to trust God in a moment like this. If you do not take the time to do that, you will be tossed back and forth by what's going on in the world. You'll always be constantly trying to discern external things and what's God doing and what's his will. And But no. Strength is, is his, him strengthening you in your inner man. All right. Well, love you guys. Huh? Adam posted, Adam posted the giving link. See, I, I forget about all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've gone back and forth. Honestly, I'll just be honest. I've gone back and forth about the giving. Obviously, in a time like this, giving has dropped dramatically. Now, thankfully... We're good stewards with finances. We've never had trouble with money in our church. You know, we have a building fund, a relatively robust building fund um, that we could dip into if we need to, and we probably will. I may, Sarah and I may make a decision of what the next couple of weeks look like for us because, you know, we could, we could make some tweaks. Uh, but also the building, you know, all, all of that stuff, all of those neat, you know, the landlord still sends that invoice. <laughs> And, and also helping people and all of this, all of the work of the ministry can continue. So I just want to remind you as you are able and as you have purpose for what this ministry brings to your life, I do want to encourage you to give. Uh, you can jump over to Forward Church. Uh, so our website is forward.church. The dot church is the extension up in the right hand corner. If you're mobile, click on the little three lines and click on the donate or give button and jump over. Might be a good opportunity to go ahead and set up the um, uh, mobile giving, online giving, create an account there. It'll send, there's a couple step process. It'll send you a text and you log in and, the, and then it's like super easy to give from there. But 
Um, but regardless, God provides. Whatever it looks like, God provides. Uh, and I'm not worried. I'm really not worried. I am just not. I hope that you're not either. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks for that reminder. Let's see. Who's the, let's, I'll just say goodbye to the last people on here. Uh, let's see. We got Ted still watching. Angie Copeland jumped in there. Huh? God is my provider. Amen. Brittany. Good. Glad you enjoyed the meditation. Jan. All righty. I think I'm going to close now and end. Again, thanks, Chris and Callie, for jumping on earlier. Uh, you can go back and watch that worship if you missed that. I'm looking at doing more of these uh, throughout the upcoming weeks uh, or days, I mean. i probably jump on more often. I don't know if I'm going to do a daily thing because, uh, I, well, I just don't know yet, but just stay tuned. And if you're not on our email list, you can go to my website, clintbuyers.com, and sign up, or you can go to the church, forward.church, and sign up on the email list. Follow all the social stuff. You're watching this on Facebook, so you probably already like the page. But uh, just stay tuned. Uh, you know, I will, I'll do my best to stay in touch with the Lord and bring to you what I feel like is important for our church body and those, our extended church family, uh, for us to you know, just be aware of and, and stay connected as much as we can. Right now, we are continuing to take our cues from the governor in terms of, um, you know, meeting. So, you know, we'll just all continue to walk through this together. So once again, love you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Share this link when it's over. We'll jump in and actually edit this and put it up on YouTube and, and put it on our podcast and and it will be accessible. I'll send out a blog. If you don't know, I, I do a blog after every message and I send it out. You can get on my uh, email list at my website. Hundreds and hundreds of free messages on my website. Anyway, I think that covers everything. So again, love you guys. Appreciate you. Looking forward to seeing you in person. But until then, I will be doing more live streaming. So stay tuned. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbuyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.